Ripmaster. Welcome to the Man Cave, where we're recording the Diz Dads podcast, episode number 12, Fall Special Events in Walt Disney World. With me tonight are Justin West. Hello. Paul Hodger. Hey, guys. James Matheson. Good evening. Matt Birchfield. Hello, everyone. And Christian Hill. Hi, everyone out there. How are you doing tonight? All right. So nice to have everybody here. Uh, we're talking tonight about what is, I think, my favorite time at Walt Disney World. Um, the fall season, September, October, especially, uh, maybe even into the first part of November. And um, there are a number of, of special events that Walt Disney World uses to you know, keep their crowd levels up during a time when traditionally um, the, the attendance at the park... Uh, drops down from where it had been in the uh, busier summer months. Uh, so the the first of those that we'll talk about, because it it does uh, start happening in September, is Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. Um, who here has been to a uh, Mickey's ha- Not-So-Scary Halloween Party? I have. Okay. I have. I have. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so everybody, we've all been to, to Mickey's. So... Um, Justin, why don't you take a stab at describing for us what Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party is. What What's going on? Well, it's a, an added ticket uh, separate from your normal park day tickets um, that gets you admission. It, it's, it's a limited. They only sell a certain amount, uh, which means that the park is not as crowded. And, and as well, uh, there are different activities such as characters who normally wouldn't be out are such as villains are out and and there's a special parade and fireworks and such okay and uh christian refresh my memory when can someone who purchases the uh hard ticket to attend the not so scary halloween party uh enter the magic kingdom i believe the entrance time is four o'clock uh, so, you know, you can make it a whole day. So instead of buying a ticket that day, you know, you can get a whole day, you know, you can get the whole way through the Magic Kingdom and, and spend a lot of time there uh, if you just buy the ticket for the night. The thing is, they don't kick everybody else out until around 7 o'clock in the evening. So there is a kind of crossover period where the park might be a little crowded because, you have people coming in and people who haven't left yet. So that, that 4 o'clock to 7 o'clock time frame can be a little crowded. Then the crowd should drop off to just the party attendees. And, and it's, uh, you know, in my experience at least, most rides were, were virtually walk-ons. Mine too. And um, Matt, why don't you take a stab at, at talking to us about what uh, your favorite things about uh, Mickey's not so scary, scary Halloween party are probably all the uh, all the extra things that Disney has going on throughout the park. I mean, you have the trick or treat station set up for all the kids, uh, free face painting, the free stroller rentals, and the the parade itself. I mean, I've always been a fan of the uh, the headless horseman, and uh, the first time I actually went to Disney World was uh, with my four-year-old daughter, and we got to see Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. We went to the parade and everything, and uh, we just had an absolute blast. Yeah, that that is a terrific parade. It is, uh, for me at least, my, my favorite Magic Kingdom parade. 
And I think what makes it so special is that you see things in that parade that you don't normally see in terms of, of not just, uh, you know, float type things, but but characters that don't normally appear in the park or don't no normally appear in, in the parades. Um, anybody have a, a favorite part of that parade that they'd like to talk about a little bit? I enjoyed the um, section. They've got the uh, zombie-ish guys with the shovels and yes the grave diggers and they they scrape the ground and it sparks that's that's a pretty neat effect and as somebody mentioned earlier um the parade is sort of uh, announced by the arrival of the headless horseman who goes trotting through the parade route uh, ahead of the parade and uh that's that's one of those you know for for the photographers out there that's one of those moments you know be ready with your fast lens because uh it's a great shot if you can catch it and so the the booty you parade now one of the things that's nice i think about uh the halloween party is that that parade actually goes through the park twice on each party night and i'm a big proponent of waiting and seeing the parade when they run the, the late parade, the second parade, which is done after the fireworks display. Anybody else have a, a feeling about that? Uh, one of my favorite things to do, and, and because my daughter's still little, so when we go, she's getting tired by the, you know, by the time the second parade rolls around. So that's almost the time when we leave the park. Well, actually, the, I guess the second parade comes from Frontierland and ends up uh, down in Town Square. So, right, right. So we go to Town Square, and everybody else is all through the park. So you don't have to fight for a place in line. You walk right up to the rope. There's nobody around you, and you can really enjoy the parade from there. You're just seeing it about 20 minutes later than everybody else. Sure. Um, anybody else have a preference for the early or the late parade? I really like doing the... Uh the late parade, um, <clears throat> excuse me, because of uh, exact opposite. We like to, we, we, last time we stayed right out in Frontierland where it started. So um, we were able to see most of the parade before half, you know, half the park got a chance to do it. So we were still going, doing rides, doing all the trick or treat and everybody else was finishing watching up the parade. Which I thought was <laughs> nice. Uh, maximizing the use of your, uh, your time in the kingdom. Exactly. I think uh, then so just to give people kind of a, an overall idea of the um, what's going on here when you get to the park at four o'clock, um, you know, from four to seven, it's the usual Magic Kingdom for the most part. Seven o'clock, the day guests, uh, the regular par park guests have been uh, you know, started to be escorted out of the park or asked to, to leave the park. You're left with just the party guests. And at that point, um, the, the special elements start to appear in the park, the treat trails set up. Um, so why doesn't, uh, Paul, why don't you tell us a little bit about the treat trails? Yeah, so what they do is at different areas uh, all around the park, and some of them are like uh, where you'd normally go into a, a dining area, I guess, that's been stopped, you know, shut down at that point, or a um, store, they have different little trick-or-treat areas where you can just walk up and they have different treats just like you know if you were trick-or-treating at home with your kids that your kids can go up to um or if you're interested in the candy you can absolutely go up and get <laughs> yourself to, uh guilty here and um it's pretty neat um so they have all little different areas they have decorated differently that you can kind of walk around and walk up to and uh basically trick-or-treat all around the park which is a really cool 
um, different type of experience to get at the Magic Kingdom. And besides the trick-or-treating at 7 o'clock, uh, the next sort of time frame would be that they have uh, several uh, opportunities to see these characters you don't normally see. Um, there's a, a stage show at the front of the castle, the, the villain's show, and then the uh, mix and mingle that follows it. Uh, somebody want to describe the, the villain's show and or the, the mix and mingle? I described the villain show, but my daughter's terrified of it, so I never get to see it. We have to turn around and run the other way as soon as the villain show comes on. You know, I, I can honestly say I've never seen the uh, the villain show, but we've done the mix and mingle a couple of times, and one of the things that sticks into my mind the most was the uh, the evil queen from Snow White was out walking around. And there was this little girl of about four that was just had these huge eyes just staring at her. And she kind of walked up to her and handed her an apple. And this girl just absolutely went nuts. <laughs> well, I, I have to say, I, I watched the, the Mix and Mingle show with my daughter um, last year. And I was just blown away. I thought it was just a terrific stage show. They get all of the, the villains that you kind of immediately identify as the great Disney villains. You know, the hag is up there and Maleficent is up there and Jafar was added just last year. Uh, or I'm sorry, Jafar was there. He wasn't the one who was new. Um, they added uh, uh, Dr. Facilier from the um, Princess and the Frog was just added last year to the villains show. Um, and it's a almost, you know, Broadway style song and dance number with the characters in their big costumes. And then as soon as they're done with their show, they come down from the stage area and, uh, sign autographs with the crowd. And, uh, actually if, if I remember correctly, they they'll do pictures, but they won't sign, um, just because they need to keep the crowds moving. Um, lines are long. If you want to meet villains, like fig find your spot and line up quickly because uh, otherwise you'll spend m large chunks of your not so scary Halloween party in not so scary lines uh, or maybe kind of scary lines um, so the, there's the trick-or-treating there's the villains and then Christian why don't you talk about the dance parties they set up around the Magic Kingdom yeah that is definitely one of the favorite things of, uh, of the parties that uh my family loves uh, besides the short lines um, it gives you a way they have two different stages set up one is over in Frontierland at the Diamond Horseshoe and then they have one over in Tomorrowland by Space Mountain and they have uh, what they call dance parties where they have a DJ there and they bring out different characters and they come down with the kids and the kids get to dance with them and, you know, because most character interaction you have is you get up there, you wait in line, you shake their hand, uh, they sign your book, and then they move you along. This really, you know, my daughter loves this. She goes up there and she just stares up at Pluto or Goofy and dances with them and, uh, and follows them around. And, and for me, that's a blast because, you know, she's... Uh, she's right there and she's having fun with them instead of just being you know rushed in and out and it's a it's a good way to uh decompress from regular park life and just have some fun too 
Yeah, my son was a big fan of the uh, dance party in Tomorrowland uh, because Stitch comes out and dances with the crowd, and he's a huge Stitch fan. So he wasn't so fond of the villains, but, you know, going over and, and dancing with Stitch was cool. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great time when uh, I get out there and I dance with my daughter, too, so that's, uh, that's fun for me. Sure, sure. Now, in addition to, to those things and to the, the shorter park lines, there's also a fireworks show that is unique to the Halloween party. Um, it's called Hallow Wishes instead of Wishes. It's got its own soundtrack and its own story and its own fireworks. I don't know about anybody else, but I was blown away by the Hallow Wishes fireworks. Yeah, same here, Aaron. I, I thought they were amazing. Um, they incorporate, in addition to the, the fireworks you would normally see during Wishes, they incorporate what are called perimeter fireworks. So you get uh, this whole other sort of layer of pyrotechnics um, around the castle. Uh, truly, truly magnificent fireworks. Um, all right, so the, the Mickey's Halloween, Not-So-Scary Halloween Party dates run uh, roughly from early September through, uh, I think that there's still one the, the first week of November. They, they run two or three parties a week. You should check your schedules. Um, pricing ranges from uh, $48 for children and $54 for adults early in the season to uh, the price increases somewhat as time the calendar goes on. It's at its peak on Halloween and just before Halloween. Uh, prices at that point are $63 for children and $68 for adults. It's not a cheap event, but uh, I think that, I don't know that there's anybody on this panel who would say that they felt like it wasn't worth the money when they attended the party. Oh, no, not at all. Um, so anybody going back to the party this year besides me? We will uh, be back uh, September 30th. Oh, I'm going to miss you by a week. We're going back September 23rd. No, uh, we just got back, and uh, I campaigned long and hard to go in October instead <laughs> of uh, the end of June, and uh, I, I was shot down. So. Yeah, well, sometimes we do get outvoted. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's sort of our summary of, of Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. Anybody feel like there's anything that they want to mention that, that hasn't come up yet? I guess the only thing I'd, I'd mention is they hand out candy all night long. And at the very beginning of the party, the lines for candy is long. You might as well just wait and uh, grab candy at the end. And in fact, when you leave and go back out to the transportation, they're standing outside with candy stations where they're just giving candy away. Um, so I, we never waste a lot of time grabbing candy when it first starts because there's plenty of time to do it later. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Anybody else have good uh, touring tips or uh, important things to think about when you're uh, attending Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party? Yeah, I'd say this, Aaron. Just uh, if you're going to go, I would... Uh, I don't know if I could put a percentage on it, but I felt like when we were there, like 80 to 90% of the people there were dressed up to the point that the first time we went, um, we just kind of walked in normal, you know, not dressed up at all. And we ended up going to, I think, the store at the Pirates of the Caribbean and getting a couple of like the bandana Mickey ears and trying to throw something together quick, which is quite expensive in the parks. But um, 
if you're interested in dressing up at all, the majority of the people there are dressed up. It is kind of a fun atmosphere to do that whole dress up Halloween thing. So um, definitely something to think about. That's a good point, Paul. And and one thing real quickly to mention is um, lots of people in costume. Remember, you're at Disney World still. So uh, a, a, adults, be careful about the appropriateness of costumes. They don't want to see the, you know, really gory stuff or the, uh, you know, the sexy nurse should only be so sexy uh, for Walt Disney World. Um, but also... Um, there are some rules about costumes in, in Walt Disney World, and one of the biggest ones that um, people forget about and can lead to issues with kids is um, no masks. They don't, they don't allow you to wear things that might interfere with your vision. So um, for children's costumes, encourage your kids to wear things that don't have masks. The other thing I would remind you is it is Florida. And in September, especially, it's still pretty warm. So keep that in consideration when planning your costume. Yeah, that that uh, that quilted dinosaur costume is probably not going to be the best choice. All right. Well, I think that that wraps up our discussion of uh, Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. I wanted to take a break from the fall events for a minute and invite Paul to take the hot seat for 10 questions. All right, Paul, you ready to uh, face the hot seat? Or Let's do it. Face the firing line? Here we go. Uh, Paul Hodger, where do you live and what do you do for a living? I live in Massachusetts. I am an accountant for a telecommunications company. And describe your family for us. Uh, there is my wife, my loving wife of about seven years now, and we have a beautiful daughter, Grace, who is three years old, and in about five weeks we will be welcoming our son to the family congratulations uh, yeah thank you very much my goodness it's baby season among the Diz dads we just had a new one <laughs> we did we did uh, i believe tim just had his baby so that's yeah, right good. we are in baby season and uh paul what is your favorite off the beaten path location in walt disney world um I would have to say, and this is probably going to sound a little strange, but there is a walking path between Disney Hollywood Studios and uh, the Boardwalk and Beach Club areas, um, and then up into Epcot that I don't think a lot of people take. Um, I only found out about it uh, running the marathon. You actually run by there, but it's a really peaceful, uh, quiet part of Disney World that you usually don't get. And in the middle of a day, whether you're going from Epcot to Hollywood Studios or vice versa, or between those resorts. Um, it's a nice place. It's about a 15-minute walk where you can kind of just go and catch your breath, and it's, it's really a really nice spot. Sounds terrific. What's your least favorite place at Walt Disney World? Um, it's probably, you know, anywhere where there's um, guest services because you <laughs> usually hear families complaining or being upset about the most mundane things, and that uh, can kind of put a damper on the day when you hear people being that upset about little things. Who is your favorite animated Disney character? Um, you know, I got to go with Panchito from the uh, Three Caballeros. And it's it's only because we started getting into the Three Caballeros uh, with my my daughter. She saw the cartoon, like the three-minute cartoon, and uh -huh. just fell in love with it. It's a video that they play all the time, the song and everything. And uh, ever since then, we played that, that thing is played in my house at least five times a day. <laughs> and uh, I've just grown to love that little guy, so... What sound or noise do you love? Um, 
you know, it's definitely the monorail. Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. It, it's, and I know that we have, you know, a thread on the board now. Um, <laughs> it's, it's been closed, but we had a thread on the board named after it. And uh, just that, that, you know, that, that, you know, por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. It just, you feel like you're in Disney World. You feel like you're ready to load up and go to the Magic Kingdom. And uh, I love that. What sound or noise do you hate? Yeah, it's back to those parents that are upset at guest services. It's just, uh, that's the, the only downer at Disney is hearing people complain. I just feel like you're there. Um, you're ready to have an awesome vacation with your family. You put so much time and effort into getting there. Just let the little things go. You know, don't sit in there and yelling at these poor cast members, you know, especially the ones on like college break and stuff. <laughs> I just can't stand to hear it. So, yeah, it's that. What career, other than your own, would you like to attempt? Um, you know, I would love to be a doctor. Um, I know we have a couple uh, doctors, uh, Diz doctor dads on the boards. Um, unfortunately, I'm horrible with blood, so there's no, <laughs> chance, there's no chance I ever would do it. But I think it's just an incredible uh, career choice. I think helping people in that, that fashion is really awesome. So, yeah. What one job would you not like to do? Um, I don't want to sound repetitive, but I'm going to go to guest services at Walt Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> Not to beat a dead horse, but I'm, I'm picking up on that. Uh, and if you could be a Disney cast member for one year, what job would you want to do? Yeah, so given that it's only a year, I'm going to go with CEO. And the reason isn't because I'd want, you know, all the perks to come with it. It's it's simply for I would make my one goal in that one year to fix the Yeti. <laughs> that would be it. I would just I would put all the resources we have in Imagineering and everything else on. I am so upset that that Yeti still doesn't work that I would want that job just for a year just to make sure it finally gets done. So a noble pursuit, my friend, a noble <laughs> pursuit. Yeah. All right. Well, that completes the 10 questions. You can uh, step off the hot seat. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Aaron. All right. So we talked about Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party, and it's the special event in the fall in the Magic Kingdom, but there's also a special event in the fall at Epcot. Um, The Epcot Food and Wine Festival takes place during, essentially during the month of October, and um, it is a... Unlike the uh, Not-So-Scary Halloween Party, which is a hard-ticket event that you pay extra for, uh, the Food and Wine Festival happens in the park and is essentially free. Um, everybody can experience it. The only thing you, you pay for is is food that you sample. So um, why don't we start with kind of getting an overview, and um, oh, let's see, Any, anybody want to volunteer to give us sort of an overview of what the Food and Wine Festival is about? Sure, uh, I, you know, it's. I, I got to preface this with it's my least favorite festival of everything at every special event at Disney. Interesting, uh, but uh, but I've been there many many times, and it basically takes place in the country section of Epcot. And what they have is they have different, you know, they have all the individual countries there, plus they add special countries for food and wine festival they get like a little booth and you get to sample different wine beer and food from around the world and it's like a little uh it's kind of like a small plates kind of sampler 
where you go and you just have a, a few little things. Uh, you know, you go to Japan and you can get sushi. I think I've had uh, like pierogies or something similar over in Norway. Um, and they also have um, music. Uh, they have bands that come and perform there, uh, I believe, pretty much uh, nightly at the uh, in front of the American uh, Pavilion. Um, All right, that's the uh, the Eat to the Beat concert series, uh, where they do uh, I think two or three shows a night uh, out there, and. Um, there's the, the food sampling, and then the other thing that has really grown recently is um, they do a number of seminars and presentations that you, those, many of those you do pay extra for, uh, some are free, but uh, opportunities to, you know, for, for people who are real foodies to get an opportunity to learn about food, how to prepare food, how to pair wine with food, uh, all those kinds of things um, from professional chefs, uh, including some pretty famous ones. The uh, one of the things that that I'm disappointed I'm going to miss because we're going to be there in September and we won't be there uh, long enough. We our, our trip last year was in in October at the beginning of the month and we're not going to get to October. But um, this year they've added a uh, a tequila tasting seminar, which uh, I think I would really enjoy. <laughs> but I think I'm going to miss that one out, unfortunately. We're going in uh, 2012, so I hope that it is still around next year. Well, with the popularity of uh, La Cava de Tequila in the, the Mexican pavilion, I have a feeling that, that tequila tasting is going to be around for a while. Good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Christian, why don't you talk a little bit about, you know, you talked about the, the food booths. Have you ever done the Food and Wine Festival while you were on a dining plan? Um. I have used yeah I've used snack credits to to buy um, food at the uh, at the various booths I um, it's uh, my memory is kind of vague but I you know I think the average I think it's the average plate is like considered one snack right so, that's correct and you know I've always noticed that I never use all my snacks anyway and I have this like tremendous buildup so I have burned off a lot of snack credits uh, at the uh, food and wine festival yeah one thing about this year in particular since this is the the last year that the quick serve dining plan has uh, the the extra snack credit has two snack credits um, you know people that that's a, a real opportunity to take advantage of that extra snack credit um, because uh, you know even people on the standard dining plan are, are missing out on that opportunity. Uh, you can really make a, a nice a nice meal out of the food and wine festival booths. Although I will say the downside of it is that it really is popular. And so there are lines at those booths. And uh, you've got to be willing to take your, your meal nice and slow, a little bit at a time. So does anybody else have uh, thoughts or tips about the, the food and wine festival? Uh, my, I guess uh, the other thing that... Uh... The last two years, uh, I mean, starting last year, HGTV has become a sponsor of the Food and Wine Festival, and apparently they're going to be a sponsor again 
No, that's the Flower and Garden Festival. Excuse uh, me. Actually, they're... Excuse. No, no, you're right. They're actually doing both, and I was surprised. Oh, they, um, are. Yeah. they are. They're, they're going to be out there for uh, food and wine as well uh, with some of their hosts. I, I think focusing on, on sort of entertaining kinds of things. Uh, so it's home, more home design type stuff. But yeah, um, there are some some HGTV celebrities that are going to be in the in the park for uh, special events during during food and wine. And the if you want to do some of these high end seminars, you should get on the the either the Disney website or another great resource is uh, the Disney Food Blog. Um, AJ's site is probably, as far as I'm concerned, the go to spot for uh, Disney food news. And um, you can learn there about the, the different seminars that are being offered um, because the, the most popular ones do sell out and they sell out quickly. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, you should definitely um, check it out and, and sign up as, as soon as possible. Um, they're not cheap, but I've heard uh, that the experience is good. Um, Anybody who's into uh, any foodies out there, if you're into food porn, apparently uh, there's a Facebook page called Disney Food Porn where there is pictures of various Disney food. So uh, if you're uh, if you're hungry, uh, search for it on Facebook. I think it's I think it's just called Disney Food Porn. Yeah. Now, uh, one thing too about um, the the Food and Wine Festival to keep in mind is if you're going to be in Disney World in uh, the month of October. Food and Wine Festival, I think more than just about any other event, draws uh, locals in Orlando heavily on the weekends. And so you really do need to be conscious of that if you're going to be in Epcot on the weekends because the crowd levels in, in Epcot are even unusually more influenced by uh, you know the Orlando locals who come into the park for the Food and Wine Festival. And um, our experience last October, we you know, I... I made the error. I, I looked at the, the touring plans guys advice and they warned me that Epcot was a park to stay away from, but you know, it was the only way I could make it fit the schedule. We went anyway and it, it was challenging, uh, especially in world showcase just to get around cause it was so crowded. Hey Aaron, a question along those lines with it being a lot of locals coming in. Yeah. How are the um, the Epcot resorts in that time frame? Do they book up early? Yes. If you wanted to stay down around there? Yeah. Yeah, the Epcot resorts do book up quickly, and um, the the World Showcase restaurants book up quickly, too, which seems to me a little counterintuitive. Yeah, I would think yeah. that people would enjoy the booths, but... But, uh, you know, they go ahead and make people go ahead and make the reservations uh, in the in the Epcot um, World Showcase restaurants as well, it seems. But the, the Epcot area resorts definitely book up. I think one of the reasons is because the ability to to walk to world you know, directly into World Showcase from, um, you know, Beach Club Boardwalk is, is kind of hard to beat. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I was thinking is if you, you went down, that would be a great place to stay. But I would assume that, like you said, it's busy. So good to know. Yeah. Um, and it is true that uh, for this coming year, and it looks like again uh, for, well, I guess we don't know for 2012 yet, but for this coming year, there are there are some free dining dates that are open during the Food and Wine Festival. So, uh, you know, for, for foodies, that's a, a real opportunity. Um, if you're going to spend the money on on the food in the at the Food and Wine Festival, it's a good way to, to get a little bit of a break on that and really get a chance to enjoy it. Now, 
Matt, did you have a, a something you, you had a, a yeah, question uh, about? I was wondering, uh, I know you and Paul were, were talking about the hotels there. How far out should you try and, and reserve the uh, the beach club, Saratoga, all those uh, right next to Epcot? How far out should you try and, and get your reservations in there? Probably 90 to 120 days out range. I would caution, though, when you're booking, you know, 100, 120 days out, 90 days out during a hot foodie time, the ADRs are going to be harder to come by, too. So that's something to consider. Yep. Good information. Thanks, Aaron. Okay. Um, anybody else have anything to add about uh, Food and Wine Festival? Well, I guess my, my only thing, and I guess why it's my least favorite of the, of the festivals, and it's not like it's horrible, but it's a little more round. You, you can run into a few more rowdy people there than you are used to at Disney parks at times, uh, especially, I guess, on the weekends where there's a lot of locals there. Uh, I'm not saying it's out of control, but, you know, when you're there with your family, there's some people that are a little louder and, uh, you know, wine has definitely been a part of it. So uh, is definitely a part of the food and wine festival. So it's a little different and uh you know if you're there with your kids you should be prepared for that yeah i mean i'll say that our experience this past year was was positive in that regard we didn't really have issues but i will say that i have heard from others that 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 can be an issue um james um you wanted to talk a little bit about the the concert event the eat to the beat yeah i was just looking online at some of the different people they have. Oh, great. Let's, why don't you share some of that with us? Cause there's, uh, there, there's always, a, you know, it seems to me that the, they tend to be kind of, you know, just over the hill type bands for the most part, but there always seem to be two or three that I hear are the names. I'm like, Oh, that'd be really fun to see. Yep. I know the one year that we, we went, they had like uh, you know, Bon Jovi cover band type thing, but you know, this year they've got stuff like 38 special and uh, Billy Ocean, Taylor Dane, Starship, Sugar Ray. Um, uh, it's an orchestra starring people from ELO and the Gin Blossoms and stuff like that. So there's some actual, you know, good good names that uh, people have heard of. So that you might not get a chance to see very often. Okay. Saw 38 special last year. That was uh, it was pretty good. Yeah, we had hoped Cool uh, uh, and the Gang was there. That we we just missed them our last trip. Uh, we we were thinking that would be a, a fun one for the kids to hear. Um, and then, uh, Paul, uh, one of the things that's sort of not part of food and wine, but connected to food and wine, uh, there's the Wine and Dine Half Marathon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that's the first weekend in October every year. Um, and for anybody who's a runner or interested in running at all, the Disney uh, marathons and half marathons they put on in Walt Disney World are a pretty cool uh, event. And I have not done the uh, the wine and dine half marathon yet. I've done both the Disney uh, full marathon and half marathon a couple times. Um, but I know the wine and dine half marathon is at night, and you start at Wide World of Sports and run through Animal Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, and into Epcot. You finish there for like a party, a pasta party in the park or something like that. Um, and if anybody's interested in running or thinking about getting into it, um, I have heard that it is a really, really cool event. Um, and just from having run a few Disney uh, marathons, I will tell you that running through the parks is really kind of a special thing, and it really takes your mind off of the pain anyways. So uh, <laughs> I would highly recommend it for anybody even kind of uh, 
considering maybe trying something like that. It's, it's pretty cool in Disney. Okay. Well, that sounds great. Um, we can talk some more about uh, Food and Wine Festival, I think, uh, you know, in the, the as we move forward, uh, as more people get a chance to, to experience it. I know that one of the things is, you know, a lot of us have younger children, and um, Food and Wine works better, I think, uh, with older kids or when you're on your own, as, as Christian was saying, can be a little rowdier there. And, you know, it's not always easy to get a four-year-old to try a, a delicacy from Singapore from a, uh, a food stand. <laughs> but uh, it, it can be for an older kid an opportunity to encourage them to try something new and, um, you know, experience and learn learn about a culture through their food uh, in a way that, that they might not otherwise get the opportunity to do. I want to close this week's show with a trip preview. And uh, Justin West has a trip coming up. Justin, uh, when, when are you traveling? We are flying down on some Sunday, September 25th. And we'll be there until October 1st. Um, so we will just catch the, uh, the first day. The Food and Wine Festival actually starts on the 30th. Um, I'm not quite sure if we're going to try that out yet or not. But... Um, there are there's, we're going with a group uh, my one of my wife's friends has a Disney Vacation Club membership she had a bunch of points that she needed to use up uh, or she was going to lose them come October 1st so she was gracious enough to reserve a three bedroom Grand Villa and a two bedroom at Old Key West and there are 13 of us going down the, um, so my wife and I have uh, kind of taken the lead in, in planning the schedule since originally we were the only ones with children going um, since another family has been added on but we uh, it's been interesting trying to plan for <laughs> this many people um when everybody at the beginning says we don't care go ahead make the plans uh, once you start putting things down on paper people st- tend to start to speak up but, <laughs> well what are you most looking forward to about this trip well um like i said earlier we are going to the mickey's not so scary halloween party um on that friday night the last our last night there uh, that's also my wife's birthday so it uh, should be a pretty special event sounds great and uh, is there uh, anything special you're doing you know to Diz Dad's podcast we gotta ask about food so is there anything special you're, you're doing food wise uh, any meals you're looking forward to uh, absolutely I'm looking forward this is the first time I'll get to try Boma um, looking forward to that We've, we're also uh, doing Tusker House for the first time. It's uh, we think that'll be a good opportunity for my five-year-old. She she really loves um, Daisy. I think that's one of the opportunities, only opportunities to see Daisy. Yeah, I think it is. Um, beyond that, uh, Crystal Palace is always a favorite of ours, and we will be hitting that up for lunch. Sounds great. All right. Well, it's been great talking to everybody this week. Um, We'd love to hear from you, our listeners. You can email us at podcast at disdads.com. Visit our website, disdads.com. 
tweet us at Dizdad's Podcast on Twitter. Participate in the discussions uh, in the Dizdad subforum of the Disney for Families forum at disboards.com. But uh, anyway, you get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. This has been Aaron Rittmaster, and I was here tonight with Justin West, Paul Hodger, James Matheson, Matt Birchfield, and Christian Hill. Thanks for listening. This has been a Wizard of Oz production. <laughs>